Yes, Bumblebee Tuna. That is from The Lion King Two and a Half. Great fucking film. Phenomenal film. I hope you don't really think that, or else I'm gonna have to kick your ass. Why? Why? Why would you have to kick my ass? Because it's wrong. You can't ever. I think it'd be very difficult for you to kick my ass right now, seeing that I'm sitting down. Be a lot of work. Fucking grab you by the nostrils, and I'll pull you out of that chair. Just so I can kick his goddamn ass for saying Lion King 2 and Fucking joke's on you, bro. These are fake nostrils. I'll pull them right off your fucking face. And, and then we'll be back to square one. You not being able to kick my ass. I really hope this is not the intro to the last episode ever. Welcome, guys. This is Spoilers and That. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Spoilers with Matt and our last episode. Andres and I are super fucking excited not to be doing this episode with each other again. <laughs> and uh, I, I hate working with you. I've it only hated, gets better from here. I've hated every second. It's, it's a relief, honestly. We can't always give uh, the fans what they want. Well, actually, this no. is probably what they want. They probably wanted to Done end, with yeah. you at this point. Done with me. so freaking That's obnoxious. what you think stupid AIDS joke. Right. It's probably not going to even make it in the intro. I, d- I had a good AIDS joke that got cut. Yeah. But I won't say it. Good. Could be saving a lot of time. Yeah. So, this being the last episode and everything, right, we got to commemorate it. It was a, it was a classy AIDS joke. <laughs> just so you know. I don't want to get in trouble. Just let it go, dude. Just let it go. Oh, you don't want to get in trouble by not mentioning well, it was a classy AIDS joke? If we don't, if we don't say the AIDS joke, then people get to imagine as bad of an AIDS joke as you, as you want. But oh, you should so be you imagining, have to put that label of the classiness on it. Yeah, you, you should imagine a really right, classy, right. like, cute AIDS joke. Oh, I, I completely po- disagree, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Let's talk. Good uh, start. Yeah, so we have a really good podcast for you guys this week. Obviously, it being our last, we're going to get into, the, it's going to be our second segment. Uh, but first, we're going to open it up as we usually do, and I'm going to ask Andres, what have you seen recently? Matt, I'm so glad you asked that, because I saw a very good movie this week. What was it? It was called The Lego Batman Movie. Oh, Will Arnett. Yeah, right? Will Arnett. How is he as a, as a Batman? He's like, a great Like, where Batman. would you rank him in the great Batman? Oh, Batman. man, that's tough. Obviously, Ooh. he's above George Clooney. <laughs> How about Val Kilmer? Um, God bless his soul. Man, that's tough. I'm joking. He's still alive. You know, I would put him above Val Kilmer, and I would put him above. I'd put him above. Don't you say it. What? You better not say above Michael Keaton. No, I would not put. Look, it's <laughs> Christian Bale and Michael Keaton. Pick your order. Those are the top two Batman's, right? Okay. And then Adam West is kind of in there too because it's just such a different, unique Batman. You right, gotta, and like, he's the OG. You Batman, gotta appreciate right? it. Um, and then I guess I'd put Will Arnett above Ben Affleck. Oh, that's right. Ben Affleck is ben Batman. Affleck. <laughs> Some people forget <laughs> Ben Affleck is Woo! currently Batman. Yeah. So Will Arnett would be like fourth. But what was cool about this is, um, I kind of expected it to be more of like a sequel to the Lego movie. And it wasn't? It was. It okay. was, but it was mostly a Batman movie, which I thought was really cool and kind of unexpected. Like, it was Batman versus the Joker, and Bruce Wayne 
and they made like all these really meta tie-ins to the other Batman movies, which were like so perfect. Like I, I don't want to give anything away, but right, because Batman it. in itself has been this like yeah, they did it in a way where it's like only the Lego movie could have really done it. And here's what I'll say too: Zach Galifianakis is the Joker, right? And uh, not a high bar, but he easily out jokered Jared Leto. I mean, but that's not Jared Leto's fault, right? Let's be honest. Suicide Squad was shitty. I felt like if you had a bed, better direction in there, he could have been a good Joker. I don't know. I, maybe I'm a little hung up on Jared Leto because I thought he looked like a really cool Joker, but it just and, didn't hit. You and know? you're a big 30 Seconds to Mars fan. Actually, no. I'm I'm not a big 30 Seconds to Mars fan anymore. I saw them in concert recently. And Jared Leto is as big of a dick as you think he is in real life, so, even at his concert. So you have to defend his Joker. Yeah, because he's a cool-looking Joker. Really? But he kind of looks like just some kind of like uh, street thug loser. What's wrong type with being person. a street thug? I, I don't know. What's... I'm not into it. I have more of a clean-cut, classy look. Oh, I like. You know, maybe he that Joker like wasn't part of the same like, socioeconomic culture that you're. No, of. because he had like the the diamond teeth, and I just thought it was very inefficient. Dope. I thought it was a inefficient use of his uh his stolen money. Oh, okay. I uh, didn't I didn't respect that Joker at all. He had a room full of knives. <laughs> no explanation. <laughs> what? He's crazy. Yeah, but that, that's not an excuse to do anything. Okay, you're right. The Joker's supposed to be cool and calculated, and Zach Galifianakis was and just... Mark Hamill. Oh yeah, people, some people like Mark Hamill. I don't watch the cartoon, but yeah, uh, the Lego Batman movie, a worthy installment to the Batman franchise. Question for you now, um, Michael I... Sarah also great Robin, hilarious Robin. Um, speaking to, is this so? You said it's a kind of sequel to the Lego movie. Yes. Do you Only know if Chris so Lord and Stephen Miller were also at the helm of this project or no? They weren't involved with writing or directing. As oh, interesting. Know. And it was still like as it, it had good the same, as Lego Movie? Same feel well, at least? Well, it had maybe? the same sense of humor. Okay. Um, it's different than Lego Movie because it's more of a Batman movie, like I said. The only real reference to the original Lego Movie was, um, I mean, obviously, they're fucking Legos and they have the same like <laughs> – yes rules of their like existence right. but uh they did reference master building once okay so i thought that was like a cool callback to the original um but yeah they 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 kind of live in that same lego universe and they have like the abyss too i don't know if you remember that from like the original yes I do. um so same universe, same everything, but this is totally Batman focused, and he's like partying as Bruce Wayne. He's got all the regular Batman villains, and they're able to do much more because it's like Legos, so it's Warner Brothers. I mean, I, I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but there's some cameos from people that aren't uh, in the Batman universe typically. Okay, cool. So they really just like go all out, and they have that opportunity because it's a Lego movie. Exactly. Cool. Very cool. Very, very cool. cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing with me, man. That's awesome, man. What, what, what have you seen lately? I'm excited to bring this one up. This is the third season, the third installment of Fargo, the show. 
Okay. As we know, it's a completely it's a mini series, so it's a completely different story every season. The main characters or main actors this year is Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor, uh, Michael Stolberg. Ewan McGregor plays two characters. He does. He plays twins. One is like a very successful one, and one is like the one that's seeing the shit end of the rope, right? Oh, okay. So Mary Kate and Ashley, basically. Basically, yeah. You've been keeping up with those two. I have no clue who they even are. Uh, but uh, it takes place during modern day, and it's pretty awesome. It's the same style, the same humor. If you really love that Cohen-esque filmmaking and storytelling, they somehow continue to figure out a way to bring that same feels every season with a new storyline. Same feels. Same feels, yeah. So I'm in the middle of it. I'm like the fourth episode. Last that I remember, uh, these seasons usually contain ten. Um, but I don't know if it can top the second season because the second season to me was superb storytelling, in my opinion. So I, I, I really enjoy it. And Hugh McGregor always has a place in my heart. Look, I know there are some really devoted listeners of this podcast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. specifically in Munster, Germany, that have not missed an episode in like a year. No, no, you're they in might, Nuremberg, dude. Uh, either way, they might. We don't care about our fans that much. Uh, they might remember that I did not watch the second season of Fargo, so I have a lot of catching up to do here. Better Even though it, it's first. it is an anthology series, but I think they're all connected in a way, right? They are, so. which is pretty interesting. So, like in the first season, they refer to like a shootout that ha- a bloody shootout that happened in the seventies, mm-hmm. and the reason why you can get away with it in the storytelling without it like pushing it on to the audience member is because. Fargo and the whole premise of Fargo has always been it's like this small town where big crime rolls through, right? Yeah. So, and in the second season, it took place in the 70s, so they give you a little bit more context. Yeah, context and the reasoning for the big shooting. And it's like pretty much the penultimate episode, like the big shooting that they refer to in the first season. Mm. So they're all interconnected in a way, which is a, a lot of fun. And I think it's really interesting this like whole subculture that the movie and now show Fargo has created, right? I don't know if you remember, but a couple years back, this movie came out called Kumiko the Treasure Hunter. Yeah, I've heard good things. Yeah, and it's like literally the premise of the movie is this Japanese woman. Um, she's trying to f- track down the money that Steve Buscemi buries at the end of Fargo. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Fargo, go fuck yourself. True. Um, but... Yeah, so and that's the whole premise of the movie. So she travels from like uh, Japan to America to Minnesota to find the money, and it's like a pretty absurd story. But it's really funny how like all these sub like this giant subculture has built around like a very simple movie that the Coens did in like nineteen ninety four. Yeah, I mean, it just really speaks to the brilliance of that original movie. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the idea that? kind of what was so magical about that first movie was that it was this really small town that seemed like nothing exciting ever happened there and yet this huge crime uh takes place right um well so with every season of fargo they're kind of stripping away at that concept right yes that magic because like you're saying well this big crime also happened there and this big crime also happened there and uh, the third season also takes place in Fargo? Yes, takes place in Fargo, and okay. it goes in and out of it. So, like, the second season, it goes on from Fargo to a nearby town as well. But mm-hmm. something that is obviously encapsulated in the first movie uh, made in the 90s is that these big crimes 
these crimes that have like a messy ending at the end. They're really started by like simple people who are in over their head. Yeah. And that's almost the premise of every Fargo uh, season or show and even in the movie. You know, it's about mm. that car salesman that's trying to get more money. William H. Macy. Yeah, oh, so man. What a great movie. I might rewatch it again. Yes. Great movie. And that and that's literally how these shows line up. Like, I was in the third episode, and you could see it piecing together to, to get to that same formula. And that formula works so well if you do it in that Cohen-esque style. And they're doing it again this season. So yeah. definitely must watch for you guys. Coen you guys brothers. are into the Cohen brothers. The Cohen brothers are so underrated. And they've had a great, like, illustrious career and won awards, and yet I still somehow think they're underrated. Well, yeah, I mean, they were a part of Bridge of Spies last year, right? They're uh, oh, they they were were the co-writers, yeah, yeah. Spielberg Um, had them uh, write the uh, screenplay for them. But yeah, I'd say like just when I say underrated, what I mean is when their movies come out, it's not like a big event, you know? No, no, they're very low key. I mean, like, No Country for Old Men surprised everyone. Exactly. And that and, was uh, a phenomenal film. I think, honestly, their best film. So. Yeah. Well, No Country. I mean, it's tough between that and uh, Fargo for me. Yeah, they have a lot of great films. I mean, we movies. could we could start rambling on about, yeah. like, Big Lebowski and everything. Yeah, big, everything except Hail Caesar. Big Lebs. I like Hail Caesar. I know. So I I'm thought just fucking throwing it in your face, Andres. Did, what are you going to do? Did I mention on the podcast that Hail Caesar was a better ode to uh, – the golden era of Hollywood than La La Land. I'll give you that because it was actually filmed during the, or it was like actually taking place during the golden era. Much better homage. And I think they actually took like precaution to make sure that they had great dancers involved in their musical numbers. I'll say that like Channing Tatum can dance by the way. Channing Tatum might've been a better choice for La La Land than, Ryan Gosling. Well, actually, I was actually talking to someone about this, right? And he's in the film industry. Uh, he was passing in town uh, mm-hmm. here in South Florida, and we talked about La Land and, you know, all the, the praise it got during the award season and why people felt like it was kind of robbed. And he, was tell- he gave me a, a cool take on it. He said he thought that they kind of messed up by giving the male role to Ryan Gosling. Mostly because jazz, right? Like, Mm -hmm. jazz historically influenced in black culture, right? It came from, like, Africa. And that's, like, where jazz is the birth. Did it come from Africa or did it come from American? uh, African-Americans, sorry. That's what I meant. But um, And then rock evolved from jazz, right? So, like, they had a great opportunity to have, like, a a black character in cinema that would have been like pushing out jazz right like mm-hmm. that true I, i've heard that critique music. before like so white guy saves right. jazz or something right that's, that's, it kind of seems whack but at, at the end of the day like and ryan gosson just seems so easy of a choice you, you know what i mean yeah and you do look at the uh the writer director damien chazelle yes and he is a white guy that's obsessed with jazz so right well, I, I think, think he has the right to kind of, like, tell his own story. Right, and I totally agree with that. But a big part of filmmaking, as we know, is the business side of it. Mm-hmm. And as we've known, like, um, specifically with Sicario, Emily Blunt, right? It, yeah. It's been fat. Like, it's been noted that if they would have used a male character instead of Emily Blunt in that, they would have gotten $5 million more for the production. Really? Yeah. So how, how can you, like, really, truly quantify that? Well, well, they, I didn't say $5 million. Okay. 
I exact I lied about the five million, but they did say that they would give more money to the production because the producers or the production company wanted a male role in that. Oh, spot. they would. I thought you yeah. said they would have made more at the box office. Oh no no, no I, I meant that they would have given them more money to produce it. Oh so, shit! And it's very possible that the production company was like, "Hey, Ryan Gosling. Anyone will go watch Ryan Gosling. I mean, look how good looking he is." Well, that's for sure too. Um, so it's very possible that that was a scenario. But, but uh, maybe a, a black guy could have done better, but I will say – I thought it was an interesting take. I, I would have enjoyed it more, I think. I will say for sure on an individual level, I can say with certainty that I think Channing Tatum would have done better because he's a great dancer, honestly. I, I just don't think people take him seriously yet. Um, Foxcatcher. Yeah, no, I agree. That's all I'll say. Yeah, Foxcatcher, uh, Hateful Eight. Is another Late, one. Yeah, man. And you know? I'm telling you, his little dance number in Hail Caesar was hilarious and well done. Well yeah. choreographed. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. But with that, you know what else was well choreographed, Andres? Tell this me. transition I'm bringing to you right oh. now. Because we got to talk about, to commemorate this being our last episode, we got to commemorate what are like the top five shows of our generation, right? We all the know. The spoilers with Matt the sp- era? The spoilers of Matt era. So the past two and a half to three years, right? And yeah. we've talked a l- about a lot of shows, but we're strictly going to commit this to shows that have been running while the podcast has been occurring. Yeah. And um, have made a huge impact on right. our, on and our as podcast. We, and we must know we are in the golden age of television right now. There's so many. I'd have to agree. There's so many outlets for them to be played. There's so many. Uh, uh, institutions to finance them now so we are really in the golden age and i think we should start we're gonna do top five mm-hmm. and we're gonna start with number five atlanta atlanta donald glover yeah this is crazy we're not gonna see another episode of this show until 28 no 2019 yes correct? it's gonna be a while it's gonna or be was a while. It, or is it 2018 it's 2018 oh my god Still the end of 2018 he said though yeah fall yeah so um specifically talking more though about atlanta i was actually reading an interview with uh donald glover and he said the reason why he's doing all these different things right now is because he feels like he has very little time to make risky moves anymore before he gets caught up in the machine that is like the movie business and he's gonna be caught like like in star wars like god forbid that starts off like another not god forbid but uh that's going to start off like another series of movies for him and uh, Alden Eldritch or whatever. Yeah. So he says that's why he's he has his hands in so many things. Like that's why now I Doing think he has Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. He's the executive producer on it. It's great. I mean, but first, before it's, we go I, off on the tangent, which yeah. I was doing, let, let's talk about Atlanta. It's the best thing. I mean, it's why the is best it culturally thing? significant? Well, it's the best thing Donald Glover's done. Right. Wow. I think. I mean. Hands down, so far, uh, I love all his albums, specifically his last one. But right, the Atlanta just is really special. Um, why is it culturally significant? Because I don't think there's a story that like this that's been told, like um, just these types of characters are so vivid. Like there's they they represent our generation very in a very interesting way, and it kind of like bashes through political correctness in a really interesting way and it gives it, us a it, perspective that we really d- don't usually see either in yeah. shows it has a a very like surrealist aspect sure. to it incredibly for sure um 
and yeah, man, I, that's that's why I think it's so special. Uh, the Justin Bieber episode, yeah. when he made Justin Bieber black. Yeah, like, I've been thinking about that episode recently too. So it's funny you bring that up. Yeah, I think it's like very. See, that's the brilliance of it. I think is that it's politically incorrect, but not just in a way where like you hear a lot of people. Did, right. Are you gonna put that dog down? Um, it doesn't matter. This is the last podcast. Who's All right. I think either way, you should put the dog down. All right. Uh, no. Actually, you know what? Yeah. That's a good one. Smother him with a pillow, maybe. That's the way I would go. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Atlanta. So it's politically incorrect, but right. it, it will also – it makes everybody a little uncomfortable because I think, you know, it, it'll, like, say something about transgender that, like, I guess – transgender people that, like, I guess people on the right will kind of lean towards agreeing, but then it'll br- bring up race relations in a way that will right, yeah, yeah, make a, those same people right. really uncomfortable. And I think the way they did it with, like, making Justin Bieber black was pretty brilliant because yeah. that – that character didn't act any differently from Justin Bieber, but I think certain people will view him differently just because his skin color changed, and I yes. think that's absolutely genius. Well, that's what's so great about it, right? So he has a unique perspective. At least these characters have a unique perspective in the show, right? And it really makes you look at, look at life through their perspective. Mm-hmm. So just like the Justin Bieber episode that you were talking about, or simply of the episode that one of the main characters, he's having an internet troll. And the whole episode, he's trying to find the internet troll. He finally finds him. He's trying to tell him to stop trolling him, of course, until you find out like the meaning of the episode or the meaning of why the troll's doing it at the end. And, and, and you even talked about this in a previous episode where the troll was doing it like as a hustle. like He yeah. was promoting him in a way that he was also promoting himself. Yeah. He wasn't like after him for any specific reason other than just to get the word out. Yeah, because it works. Yeah, because it works. It, it was brilliant. And they did that like everyone's hustling. Exactly. That that was the brilliance of the show too. Is like there's all of these people trying to like build their brand, which is another big thing for yes. for like people our age and stuff. And I mean, you you look at it the the episode where they were in the club. Oh yeah, another yes. amazing episode. Yes, where I mean, the man, the bar owners, like yeah. or the club owners, like disappearing. Out yeah, of just trying to get great. out of paying them. Yeah, and then great. at the end, Paperboy comes and punches him in the face and takes his money, and the bar owners react or the club owners' reaction is just like that guy's gonna be a star. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you have the whole invisible car thing in that episode. Oh, that's such a great episode. And I will say the best episode of television in 2016 was the band episode where Paperboy is on a talk show and there's oh yes commercials. I mean, it's but just... the can says says 99 cents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a great show to like represent. I think what people our age are going through, and that's what makes it. The number five defining show of the spoilers with Matt. Right. And I think like one of the biggest highlights of the show is like, the, like I said, once again, is the perspective of the young African-American or like the struggling artist in that like region, right? Of like mm-hmm. out Atlanta or Hotlanta, right? And that's like, I keep saying it like that perspective has not been shown yet. You know, yeah. he's giving us something new, which is a perfect transition into Master of None. Yeah. Our number is, four pick. Which is all that show does. Yes. It's always is giving us a different perspective, right? Yes. And it does that heavily, one, through race, because Aziz Ansari 
he comes he's indian but he Mm -hmm. grew up in america his whole life right yep and it's not only of course the race it's also that he's a foodie and he's trying to navigate relationships all while being a millennial and that's why i think these two shows at least atlanta master of none they connect very well on because they're very very millennial shows yeah they're very very similar and um Man, Master of None, I know we talked about it a lot last yes. week, but I think what it really does is just kind of breaking down these people that are usually put into groups right? and showing them on an individual level, like showing their individual hopes and dreams right. and hobbies and and their story. And it does it so well. I mean, now we can talk about the Thanksgiving episode. Yes. Because I think that's a very defining one for the show. That's a great episode. You finally got around to watching it. Yeah. And uh, what I personally like about that episode, besides the fact that it's funny and well-written, is it kind of shows the slow transition um, between – I forgot the character's name. The mom? The mom uh, and uh, his uh, friend? Yeah, Aziz Ansari's friend. Yeah, I forgot her name, but it's the chick who who ends up coming out that she's a lesbian. And – yeah, and, and she's from an African-American family who's not that open to it because it's, like, another thing that she's going to be judged for. Right. Um, and, and, it, and that's even a cool take in itself, right? Yeah. Like, the mom is against it because she's a woman and she's a black woman. So she's also a lesbian. She's going to have it even rougher than just being a black exactly. woman. Which is a really interesting take and perspective, obviously, of me not being – a, bla- Any of those a things. black person or <laughs> yeah. a woman or both, yeah. I didn't see. And well, but it's sometimes really you, can, cool. you can be a little lesbian-y. That's true. I'll I tell you that much. Little, I don't. I didn't know it was an adjective, but um, I'll put it in I've my pocket. Just, I've noticed it. I've picked up on a few of your habits. A little lesbian-y. Oh, thank you. Um, I appreciate it. So sweet. <laughs> but um, yeah, but yeah, it was cool. Transition was they, dope. They show it year after year, and it's. I think the interesting part was. This one year, she brings home this girl that's, like, a perfectly nice girl. But since she's never brought home anybody, the family's uncomfortable with it. Right. And then, like, a year or two later, she brings this Another woman chick. that's just awful. Like, yeah. just trash. <laughs> like, bad people to be around. Yes. And yes, the next year. That whole year, scene is yeah. hilarious, too. Yeah, it's, it's the funniest part of the episode. Yeah. And then the next year, she brings back the original woman. She finally got back with her. And the family's so much more accepting because they realize, like, well, being a lesbian isn't bad. It's surrounding yourself with bad people or right. going down a wrong path that that's bad. And we accept you for who you are as long as you're doing the right things. Right. So I thought that was, like, a really beautiful way to show how the family finally, like, accepted this person. And, and and even to add to that too, this show Master of None we've talked about it last week, and it's it also correlates to Atlanta is that these two shows, they're able to not force this issue or this perspective that they're trying to show you, and it still be intimate and like very heartwarming in a way, right? Yeah. Like like you really feeling for these characters. The character depth, and these two shows are the best of the year. I, I think it's safe to say. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, they're so unique. The perspectives they show are so, like, I don't want to say important, but they are important in right. a way because yeah. it's it's something you don't often see, and it's, like, 
interesting to think about, you know? Definitely. Because, and it's great that television can do that, and these two shows do that in a very unique and and it's like well done way. Like yeah, it's, it's so good. Speaking of heart, though, let's take mm. this into the third choice, our third show that we're choosing, which yeah. these two characters, the two main characters in it. Have no heart at all. Yeah, they do not care about different perspectives. They do not at all. It's them or nothing. And we're talking about House of Cards. Of course, Frank Frank and Claire Underwood. The calculating, power-hungry megalomaniacs. Jerks, I say. (laughs) Just jerks. That's all you got for it. Um, But yeah, it's been a long run. I think the fifth season is coming out now at the end of this month. We've gone through a weird journey like covering house of cards yes lots of ups and downs of course. i mean look we've done episode by episode recaps for house of cards we've been on this journey with frank and claire and their little bald guy that does their dirty work doug stamper name? doug stamper man i have had a roller coaster with doug stamper it's been rough yes I'll tell you that much. For sure. But, but as we've been covering these episodes, something interesting has gone on, right? What is that, Andres? American politics. Yes. In real life. Yeah, a bunch of the actors commented on it recently, yeah, too. That has uh, caught up and in some ways surpassed <laughs> House of Cards. Yes. Yes. And I find that really interesting. And yes. I find that to be one of the key reasons that House of Cards is one of the defining shows. Of course, they did it first. Of the spoilers to Matt era. They did it first. And where now the the stuff, I mean, obviously in the show and here, like things happen that are that seem completely absurd. Mm-hmm. However, the characters in the show, I mean, I'm going to put my real, uh, my real, uh, I'm sorry, I can't Your even speak. thinking cap on? Yeah, my real thinking cap on. Sorry, I was trying to look for it there. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters in the show are just like, evil masterminds where the people in real life are just stupid <laughs> well we never <laughs> talk the most about part. that though what do you yes. think the people of america believe about frank and claire because they they're not well liked no they're not, they're not. right but they're do you not. think people think ah, oh, these guys are stupid incompetent whatever or, uh, I, I, we know they think they're untrustworthy but do you right. think people believe that they're like cool and calculated or do you think people think they're stupid and untrustworthy oh you mean like if they existed in the real world or whatever yeah like if it was us i think people would think they're cruel and like bad people really because yes you look at the facade that they put up yes well they have to keep that facade the facade they put up they can't be too apparent number one they love each other and number two uh Frank goes balls to the walls for jobs and, like, employing people that are struggling and stuff. So I wonder if that is viewed as cruel or – Oh, interesting, interesting. Okay, I see your take. Yeah, it's very possible. But um, from my perspective, I just can't unlearn the things I've learned about Frank and Claire, you know? Mm. Specifically, Frank. He's a he's a mean guy. Season two, first episode. He's Come a murderer. on, that's a big twist. He's that's a, a huge twist. Well, he's murdered two people or more when uh, since we've been watching the he's show. He's murdered by himself two people. Okay, but like he probably. I mean, I think he uh, had a help uh, had help in killing a few other people that along the series. But 
Definitely, um, I know you're not as big of a fan of it of recent, but it is a show we've been following, and from the get-go, I can say to the third season, it was like balls to the wall, a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, this season, they have to do a lot to try to convince me, and I know they have to try to convince you this season. Too, yeah, I, I do guess. believe that it would have been a better show if it would have been... Um, if the third season would have been about the downfall of Frank Underwood, and it that would have been, been a, dope. It just would have been a three-season yeah. series. Right. But um, maybe that's this season. You know, they'll pull like a Walter White, Breaking Bad, five seasons. I would love it. I mean, I would love for it to end yeah. on a good note, on a high note, because it's it's getting hard to compete with the real world, guys. It is. It and is. They know it. Yeah, they better end it quick. Now, let's go into our second episode. Let's bring some happiness actually you know what let's stay in the darkness right because this show that we're about to bring up even though it's a cartoon is it's it, a very dark show but is it happy or sad is it or is it's it just is it just real you know i i uh i cried in i think one episode i think in the season finale of last season and this show is rick and morty yes i'm not gonna tease it anymore it's rick and morty guys you cried rick in and the morty season at number two finale of rick and morty the number two defining show. Yeah, man, it was of heavy. the spoilers with Matt Aaron. It was heavy. You didn't um, think it was heavy? What when Shit. Birdman died? No, when uh, Rick uh, Rick uh, sacrificed himself, and they played that really sad song. I was just like, <laughs> "Shit, this is heavy. This came out of nowhere." Here's the thing: is that right? You right. kind of always have to assume with Rick that there's something up the sleeve. Yeah, now I get that. Watching season three, all right? Yeah, Not watching what the it, season opener. We knew that season, the end of season two wasn't the end of the show. I mean, I didn't know that. You thought they were just going to leave it there? I mean, that's what you wanted them to do with House of Cards, didn't you? Yeah, but I didn't want them to do that with Rick and Morty because I love it so much. Yes. Nine, 99 seasons, Rick and Morty, you know? And why do you Satchel love it so sauce. much? If you're to say like two top reasons of why you love it, well, look, what are the reasons for you? Clearly, there is one episode of Rick and Morty that defines the whole series, where the whole show took a turn from fun adult cartoon to holy shit, this is going to change the game. This is the best sci-fi show on television, and that is season one, episode six, I believe. Rick Potion number nine. Yes, that's a very important episode. That is the key episode. I would say anybody who's getting started on Rick and Morty, make sure to watch up until that point because that is the point where it goes from this is Rick and Morty, a really smart scientist guy, and his nephew that go on, or his grandson, sorry, that go on fun adventures. And one of their fun adventures gets so catastrophic that they just have to take the place of yeah, themselves so in another universe. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, it's so dark. After dying. Yes. And just the way Rick just accepts it and Morty has to like realize that nothing is completely real. Yes, and nothing is sacred. Yeah, nothing. Nothing is sacred, right? Which is yeah. uh, the theme of the whole entire fucking show. So, yeah. I think the show turns on a dime at that point, and it becomes something so much bigger than anyone could have possibly imagined before. And it, at that point, it wasn't even completely serialized, right? No. Like, you could watch any individ individual episode standalone. And that's when you kind of realize, like, I should be tuning into this every week yes. and seeing where it goes. And it has gone places i don't think anybody could have imagined right and 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 more to what andres is saying it's just such a cleverly smart 
funny dark show like yeah. i can't even think of any more adjectives to describe it and i mean we probably could find a lot it's it's creatively superb yeah. i mean it, it, it's insane and the fact that it is a cartoon show benefits it so much because they're able to do so much through their illustrations yeah. and if you're an adult you'll love this show like i can't see anyone not liking the show it's it really is i think it's, it's very it's smart for everyone it's it's just right. too clever and it really like it's so existential that i think it's something everyone should watch there's amazing theories out there i tend to believe all of them <laughs> yes yes on um, youtube the absurdity theory and so on yeah and yeah. just the source of rick's depression i think is a good one Wubba, lubba, dub, dub. yeah it's um it's unlike anything else on tv right now and i'm a big south park fan and that's probably still my favorite cartoon of all time but what rick and morty does from a sci-fi perspective it's it's probably yes. it's the greatest sci-fi tv show ever. major props to justin Roiland and dan Harmon, and of course adult swim mm -hmm. to help them because it is the bee's knees yeah which brings us to i feel like me saying that it's going to end up in a rick and morty episode and it's going to bee's I, knees I, is going to end up a in a knee like a bee just like talking about his knees yeah. Looking at some cat's pajamas or something like, like that. Oh, man. There's a it's, reason. It's something that would happen in the show. Well, it's, it's, it's happening in some universe. If it's happening in a universe, <laughs> it happens in Rick and Morty. Yes, yes, yes. But yes, uh, yes. let's just say I'm glad you're not writing for the show. Ooh. Well, I, that would, that should have been be funnier. People should have liked anymore. that. But now it seems like it stings. You know what else stings? What stings? A bee's knees. Oh. Brought it back. You know what else stings? What? The last season of our show that is number one right? on our list. Doesn't it? Game really of does. Thrones. Game of fucking Thrones. This is one of the best shows of all time. Yes, but last season, a little the, disappointing. Wait. Just want to say it. Well, let's just give put it, it out there on the table. Let's give it the proper props. Let's fucking fight. Because it is the number one show. It is. Of the spoilers of Matt era. It is, it is. And it is the number one show of like the past five years. I think it like yeah. back to back to back. HB Everyone is always talking about H this fucking show. HBO subscriptions skyrocketing. Yes. Crazy ratings. A lot of sharing of passwords. For, yeah, so much. So much password sharing. I just shared my password the other day. Ooh, you little slut. I'm trying to be a good friend over here, Ooh. you know? So not everybody can afford great television. You're loose. Got nothing to say to that. I just had a sip of water. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, Game of Thrones, man. I, I look. Let's talk about it's the great times of this show first. Okay. Because one of the biggest oh fuck moments besides Ned Stark. All right, I gotta say, is second episode I think of season three or season two when Jamie gets his hand cut off. Well, that that was pretty deep into it. I think the third season. Ooh man, that's yeah. when I was just like, holy shit, anything could happen in the show. That's, Anything can happen. That's yeah, that's when I decided, yeah. Wow. Because up until that point, the Lannisters were perfect. They were okay. good. So you thought it was just a show that protected the bad guys all the time. Yes. Yeah. No one was protected at that point. And you know... And it was so apparent. Yeah. And what I also like about that episode is it kind of starts taking the Jamie Lannister arc in a different Yes, way. and that was really cool, too. He, I didn't expect that. Yeah, he became vulnerable, and he went from, like... This character, I think everybody hated. Yeah, from the first episode, to... he pushes a uh, brand out the window. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's hated. Yeah. And 
he becomes like one of my personally favorite characters in the show after after that point. And you can kind of go back and rewatch the episodes, and it becomes clear like he was trying to warn Ned Stark. Like he gave Ned Stark every opportunity to kind of save himself, save his family, et cetera, et cetera. Like Jamie Lannister was never the awful person that some people Cersei kind of thought he was. Yeah. Um, But I would say you know the Red Wedding was pretty big too. Should probably mention. You know, I know everyone talks about that, and that's a big shocker, but. I guess I wasn't really fully submerged in what was Game of Thrones at that point. Um, and I don't know a lot, if it, a lot of people were. I think a lot of people tuned in after that. Right. Because it was I, such a phenomenon that like, people I, yeah, were talking about it. Yeah, I think maybe it. it was spoiled to me before. So, like, mm-hmm. it was also incredibly hyped for me. So, when I saw the scene, I was like, oh, this is it? I'm like, I was, to be honest, up until that point, I wasn't that invested in Rob Stark. By the way, guys, if you've seen, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, this is a bad fucking episode for yeah. you guys to be talking about because we're just spoiling the shit out of everything, dude. Um, well, Game of Thrones, yes, I would say, dude, if you haven't watched it yet, it's a roller coaster of emotions. How, guys, how are that's you? For sure. How are you so behind? Game of Thrones is one of the few shows in modern day television that people watch on a week to week basis because, I mean, everyone's on it now, right? Right. It's a, it's such a big culture in it too. I I think. I think at this point, if you were a Game of Thrones fan and you missed an episode and you went to work that week, it would be impossible for you to work the whole week without watching that episode. Oh yeah, no, it'd you're, be impossible. You'd be you'd be either spoiled the show or you'd be the biggest loser that everyone knows. And it's not it's the prob- show. It's most likely going to be both. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you're gonna have it spoiled for you Monday morning. Uh. Yeah, there's gonna be that one asshole. Dude, it's. It's such a great show. For sure, man. Because you you don't know what's going to happen. However, that being said, let's talk about season six, which was trash, correct? Yeah, it was trash. We all kind of knew exactly where it was going. Yeah, and it was really predictable, the only and it thing, wasn't that intricate, and the, the dialogue wasn't clever. It, it wasn't, wasn't like the previous seasons. Yeah, you know? Arya's storyline was... Proven to, proven to be pointless. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, the only thing unpredictable was how predictable it was. I remember thinking in the Battle of the Bastards, I was like, oh, well, you know, they're only going to kill off, like, certain side characters, like uh, uh, Tormund, Brisbane, and and uh, these other characters. They didn't kill off anybody. No. They killed off the giant and tried to they make that off, into a big thing. They killed off one of the one of the Starks, but Tor- it was like the Tormund one, Giants yeah, Bane, sorry, I said. It was one of the Starks that they ne- that they showed once in like the first episode ever. Like you for you forgot that that Stark existed. Remember the, ser- the Oh one yeah, Rick Yeah, I forgot that he already I forgot that like, he died up in that, that episode. Point, you're like, "Oh wait, they have like a Stark? Holy shit. Yeah. When did this happen?" They didn't they brought back more characters <laughs> just to kill them off and then yeah so dude yeah it was terrible it was, i mean the battle sequence was dope it was like, well directed me, yeah don't get me wrong there but uh like like storytelling wise it wasn't the best season in game of thrones uh the show yeah but definitely um but on dress so so i i have a very specific view on how the future right. of game of thrones should go up it should ahead. go by the way um all right, so I w- think we can all agree if Daenerys just goes to Westeros, takes over King's Landing, and the White Walkers are defeated, that would be 
the absolute worst way for the show to end, correct? Yeah, but it kind of feels like it's going that route, doesn't it? It does, doesn't Especially it? Especially since um, all the bad people are getting like the shitty end of the stick in the last season yeah. or two. So it kind of, I, I think um, if, we, if the, we, we if, did a recap with Patrick and he said it the best. Like it kind of feels like they're following like the traditional tropes now. Yeah. Or before they did whatever the fuck they wanted. All right. I, I 100% agree. If that happens, then the show took an awful turn and it's really going to affect the legacy, in my opinion, and I think in several other people's opinion as well. Um, I think the way they have to go with it, and they could do some other twists similar to this, but I think the way they should go is Daenerys gets to Westeros, starts messing shit up, and as soon as she's about to hit King's Landing and take everything over, that's when the White Walkers show up and everyone has to work together and put politics aside to take them down. Right. And then once they take down the White Walkers, some crazy-ass political shit goes down in the final season, and we find out who will be the last one sitting on the throne. Right. Uh, I think the best I think the best ending to the show is that the White Walkers win. That's it. That would be intense. This whole time, winter's coming. Winter's coming. We've seen how powerful they are. I'm sorry. They... They deserve to win. It's done. I mean, it, it would be cool if they just took over and then we followed their politics for one season. No, no, no. That's it. They win. That's it. It's over. Climate change. True. They do represent climate change. <laughs> That's a fact. But, uh, and I like, you got to give them credit. The White Walkers know how to work together. Yeah, for sure. There's not a lot of infighting going on. There. Right. So, mankind is going to have to put up or shut up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I Hopefully it wasn't as big of a disappointment as last season, but instead of looking to the past, let's look to the future, Andres. Mm. So that was our top five of the whole run of spoilers with Matt. Now, what are you looking forward to in the future beyond this podcast and film and TV? Matt, I'm glad you asked. The future of film and TV should feature a lot less remakes and reboots. It won't. And some more original ideas. Look, we got to see more coming out of places like A24 and uh, Blum Blumhouse. Blumhouse? Like these little... Participant media. We need yeah. uh, Amazon and Netflix to keep churning out these movies that they're financing as Look, well. Man. Which is why we have to... Like, people... For anyone that listens to the podcast, including Andres and I, anyone who enjoys film, when you hear things about, like, at Cannes Film Festival, them booing Netflix films, that's absurd. Because at the end of the day... That happened. Yeah. At the end of the day, these production companies are financing storytellers who would not have the opportunity at these big production companies that are all doing reboots and remakes and superhero films. We need these original storytelling. So, like, when Andres says A24... Or like Amazon or Netflix, that's definitely what we need to promote. A hundred percent, I agree with you, Andres. The future of film can be bright. Yes, unconventional storytelling and unconventional stories—that's what we need. We don't need to re recycle everything now. It's the last yeah, thing we need. Going, we're going hard with the going hard in the introspection. Paint. Yes, are, are you excited about Power Rangers too? 
I'm super excited about Power Rangers too. It's not happening because the first one was total garbage. I'm gonna make it. <laughs> Go out and make movies. That's what I say too. Don't sit around and wait for your perfect movie to be made. Go out and make something. Get a group of friends together, a camera. A great movie can be made on an iPhone nowadays. That's my pitch to independent filmmakers. Nice. Good job, Andres. Appreciate it, man. All right. What would you like to see in the future of uh, I films would, and TV? I would love to watch anything that A24 makes if there's anything I've learned in the last year and a half of doing this podcast. Uh, A24, that's where it's at. I'm just looking forward to that production company. They're going to become a huge powerhouse. You can already tell. First film that they produced won an Oscar. What's the second film going to be? Wait, What's so it going to win? Moonlight wasn't their first film. Yes, every other film they only distributed. Oh, really? Moonlight was their first produced film. Damn. Yes, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they're doing fucking awesome. But um, what I'm looking forward to in the future, hmm... I'm really excited about that new Yorgo, Yorgos Lathimos. I'm saying his, I'm butchering his last name. Uh, the gentleman who did The Lobster. Oh, shoot. Um, He's coming out with a new movie? Yeah, it just premiered in Cannes. Uh, I think it's called Slowly Killing Deer or something like that. Mm. Um, and I'm really excited about Sofia Coppola's new film called The Beguiled, nice. which actually has to do with um, – which actually also has Colin Farrell, and it looks really creepy and awesome. I'm yeah. really excited about it. Hey, look, Paul Thomas Anderson's doing a new movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes. I'm, work, I'm looking forward to that. We're also looking forward to anything that Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino. Martin Scorsese, Co- uh, he got Cohen financed by Netflix. Yeah, Martin Scorsese is doing a movie, his first movie ever with uh, Al Pacino. Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro, and I think. Leo. Leo, too? Yes, yes. Wow, I heard Joe Pesci might be involved. Ooh. Which would be insane. Yeah, they're, uh, so, so they're giving like $200 million or something for it. It's crazy. Look, guys, there's a lot of good stuff coming out there. For you sure. don't have to worry. You don't have to wait for us to go tell you about it. Go look. Go check out IMDb. Check out all the fun stuff. Enjoy watching movies and TV. We're, we're not going to be around to tell you about it. Yeah. See you next time, guys. Never. Thank <laughs> you.